This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the once again quarantined ziggurat at Omaha in caverns deep below the metro area. It is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 648 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I am your head number one and my name is Matt Bond. And I am head number two here, but you might know me better as the Internet's Joe Patrick. Once again, we find ourselves at the end of the year, so it's time to take a look back at 2021 and celebrate the year's best comics, characters, and creators in our 11th annual THN Golden Beppo celebration episode. Move over, Eisners, because nothing says greatness like one of these golden statues featuring Superman's best pal. Beppo, the super monkey, taking flight. Before we get started with the show, Joe, why don't we tell these nerds a little bit about our mascot? Certainly, Beppo, the super chimp, uh, or super monkey, depending on who you ask or what comic you find him in, was created by Otto Binder and George Papp. He first appeared in Superboy number 76, which came out in October 1959. That's right, he predates a lot of your favorite uh, comic book superheroes, including the entirety of the Marvel Universe. Yep. <laughs> Beppo is a Kryptonian monkey that was one of Jor-El's test subjects. He stowed away on Superman's rocket when he got to Earth. Bing, bang, boom. Same powers as Superman under the yellow sun. He would go on to fame and fortune as a member of the Legion of Super Pets. Yeah. Alongside, uh, you know, Streaky the Super Cat. Sure. Comet the Super Horse. Prody, who is not an animal. Uh, he's an alien. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. We're proud to present these trophies to the creators who lifted comics to new heights this year. Today, we celebrate 2021, the year in comics, and it all starts with a wartime in the ziggurat. Twenty twenty one started in the middle of the global pandemic and due to low vaccination rates, it's ending there too. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think you updated the script from the twenty twenty Golden Beppo. No, I I did. Trust me, we're right back where we started. Twenty twenty one also saw a lot of big name creators flocking to Substack. Conventions returned at a greatly reduced capacity. Marvel hit fans with a horde of excellent shows and movies, and DC released the Suicide Squad. It was good. <laughs> I was just going to let that cricket for a minute. <laughs> I didn't do much else that I liked. It was indeed a good year to be a nerd, but today we're here to talk about the comics that lit up our quarantine, and we begin with the best hero of 2021. DC started the year flinging their heroes 10 years into the future, while Marvel saw the king of the symbiotes attacking the Earth. Milestone returned, and new heroes like Radiant Black, the Blue Flame, and two different cave people, Tukey and Janna, jumped onto the scene. But Joe, which hero was the best of 2021 for you? This year, we selected some runners-up, and um, I will say that this was a pretty good year for superhero comics, at Definitely. least for me. Definitely. And so... Um, it was hard to narrow down, uh, but my short list of runners-up for best hero include Wally West, who is back in the Flash costume doing what he does best under the pen of a writer, Jeremy Adams. It's really fun and wonderful. Uh, Superman, uh, we're talking John Kent here, the son of Kal-El, 
uh, Joe Mullen from Far Sector, and Hulk, who had oof, just a just a rough year. That yeah, guy. man. <laughs> uh, but my best hero for the year is, of course, none other than Dick Grayson, Nightwing from DC. I just there there was no other choice for me. That's totally fair. Uh, also, getting votes for me were Robin due to his new series being so much fun and kind of ignoring a lot of the future state stuff and just having fun with that character. Moon Knight came back. I was thrilled to read Jed McKay's Moon Knight. So much fun. Daredevil, again, was just ridiculous. And Chip Zdarsky is killing it on several different books as well. Black Widow, I got to give a nod to. I finally caught up on Black oh, Widow. Oh, yes. Black Widow is very, very good. I'm glad you mentioned it. Holy crap, that book is excellent. But my best hero is also going to Nightwing. Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo took over back in March and gave Nightwing a much-needed shot in the arm, you could say. <laughs> Which was better than a much-needed shot in the head yeah. that the last writer gave him. Dick had a uh, pretty rough couple of years, and yeah. this this crew, they understood that there isn't a lot more to go forward with that kind of ridiculous storytelling, so let's just bring him back to the street. Let's bring him back to Blue Haven. Let's let him swing around, whoop some ass, make some quips, and just be good-looking, smart Dick Grayson, the 180-degree version of Batman. And I, I love it. I've always loved Nightwing. Dick Grayson has been one of my favorite characters for most of my comic reading life. And he has been uh, struggling for, I, I would say, a decade, a I good think, decade it's been since I've really felt that Dick Grayson had the stature he needed in the DC universe. Yeah, and, struggling is a nice way to say it. And it's not even that, like, when Matt, when Matt says, like, he took him back down to the streets, it's like, it's not like, oh, and it's gritty, and it's like, it's not, it's not like Luke Cage or Daredevil or the Punisher. It's like, no, it's Nightwing in the community, being a part of the community, uh, trying to do what he can to elevate the community both in and out of the costume, which has always been the strength of that character. Absolutely. Not all of us root for the good guy, and without a good villain, you can argue you can't have a good hero. 2021 was another great year for villains, but only a few reached new heights of evil in the face of truth and justice. These are the best villains of 2021. So I had, we had to go back and just sort of like dig through all my reviews and I little inside baseball here. I wrote 431 pages of reviews this year. <laughs> yeah, I have quite, quite a lot. That's obscene. But one of the earliest books that I loved, and it was actually part of the Future State slate, but I don't think it had anything to do with Future State, was Man Bat. That Man Bat book was so good. And it was just a limited series that revisited Kirk Langstrom. It was no, I don't think it was Future State. I think it was just a Man Bat miniseries. They put it out like with all the stuff, but it did like apparently it's part of the Future State reading. I don't know. It doesn't make any mm, sense. None of it okay. makes any sense. Uh, the Leader was another one of my choices because he was so damn terrifying. And I think it was Immortal Hulk. Yeah, 33, where they re they showed us what had been happening to the Leader and how he reintroduced himself into the world by finding a green door. And it was terrifying. I loved it. Dr. Doom had a really good year. He got married. Huh? Finally, Doc Doom making a, I can't remember what her name was. Is it victorious? Was that it? Victorious, but I don't know if they actually ended up getting married. They got married. Yeah, it happened. It was a whole thing. They were upset. No, because oh no, that's right. She, she cheated on him with Johnny. With Johnny yeah, with Storm. Johnny Storm. That's right. That's <laughs> I don't right. think he got married. But my best villain has to go to Kang. 
Kang Conqueror, number one hit in August this year with the impossible task of mapping out the definitive origin of the time-traveling villain, and this creative team just nailed it. Colin Kelly and ja- Jackson Lansing wrote it, and Carlos Magno is on art. The book is impossibly beautiful. It will twist your brain inside out with the time travel. And they confirmed things like, yes, he is Nathaniel Richards. We know that now. That is a thing. They are cleaning up Kang just in time for him to show up in the movies. And I could not be more excited. This book was excellent. Number five just came out, I think, last week. And it was heart-wrenching. Oh, my God. (laughs) We found out why Kang was broken in the first issue, and it's heart-wrenching. I loved it. Uh, my best villain is the leader uh, for like for all the reasons you just said. I don't really feel the need to go into it that much um, other than to say that Al Ewing in the pages of the Immortal Hulk uh, turned uh, took the leader uh, from a villain that might be considered uh, silly on a good day. It's like, oh, ha-ha, he's like the Hulk, right. but he's just smart. Uh, which, you know, if anybody with a brain knows that that's much scarier than a Hulk that's just strong, it's like, oh, yeah, the leader is capable of terrifying things. Um, but he tr- he turned the leader into a true uh, monstrous character and uh, without him being a formidable physical threat at all. It's it's a, it's a harrowing storyline. It's a wonderful book. Uh, runners up for me. Remember, we're going to start with runners up. So next oh, time. Sorry. Well, oh, well, we're, we'll learn. <laughs> Uh, Kang is is up there. Kingpin, uh, who is kind of in the spotlight uh, uh, for no reason at all whatsoever. No. The quintuplet of Mystique, Destiny, Professor X, Magneto, and Moira X. I, think I can't they're all decide. bad. They're all bad. I can't right? decide who the villain is in this uh, particular <laughs> they're arrangement. All bad um, news. <laughs> but also on the list, uh, a, a pleasant dark horse uh, making his way onto the list is Dormammu, the Living Planet. Uh, who, uh, if you are currently reading Hell Ewing's Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you will know what has been going on with Dormammu, and it is wonderful yeah. and silly and weird, and I love it. God, it's so good. Um, now he's, I don't know, shit, I don't know, man. He's like the size of a galaxy now. I don't know. It's, it's things have gotten crazy. But uh, yes, uh, it's a good year for villains. It was a, a, definitely a good year for villains, but the leader gets my pick. It was another rough year for the comic business with shortages on paper, ink, and even trucks to haul books to your LCS. But that didn't stop creators from cranking out another amazing stack of funny books. Next up, we get into our creator awards, and it starts with the best writer. Joe, who were some of the writers that made you forget about the continuing dumpster fire? That is 2021. <laughs> um, you know, uh, again, it was, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a neck and neck race with these guys. Uh, so many guys, so many people putting out such great work. And um, so my list of runners up includes the likes of Mark Russell, Al Ewing, uh, Chip Zdarsky, uh, Jed McKay, uh, who, who is doing phenomenal work on uh, Black Cat and Moon Knight. Christopher Cantwell, I recently got caught up, at least as far as the Marvel Unlimited app is concerned, uh, on his Iron Man. It's, it is excellent. It's, really it's great. so good. That Corvac uh, shit was awesome. It, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Jeff Lemire, of course, who has just blown us away with each new project. But, and you're going to notice a theme here with my awards uh, this year, my best writer is Tom Taylor. Uh, he's the current writer of Nightwing. He's the writer of Superman, Son of Kal-El, Dark Knights of Steel, 
et cetera, et cetera. He writes Dark Ages for Marvel. He's he wrote Deceased. You know, he's written all new Wolverine. Like Tom Taylor is a writer that has built a reputation for being able to come onto a project and distill a character down into all of the things that make them great. For sure. And I'm seeing, uh, for some reason, I see a lot of things online, fans, maybe not a lot, but I see a, a, a vocal contingent of fans that are a little salty about Tom Taylor. And I don't know why for the life of me, I can't figure it out. For me, there is nobody currently working in comics that does a better job at getting to the uh, inner workings of a character. And that's any character that he's picked up yeah. and worked on. Yeah. Um, Superman son of Kal-El is such a good book. I like, I, I was like, Oh man, they're going to take away one of my Superman books and give me this non Superboy story. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Dark Knights of Steel is so much better than you would ever think it would be. Yeah. I um, can't believe it knocked me over the feather. We both loved yeah, it. It was um, great. You know, I'm not current on dark ages, but I liked number one. Uh, I liked the first couple of deceased that I read, I adored all new Wolverine, uh, which I read recently in the past year on the Marvel app. A little uh, older, Tom- <laughs> a little, yeah. I mean, yeah. a little older, but I'm just saying like, I, like for me, a theme, a theme in 2021 for me has also been reading a lot of old stuff on the apps. And one of those things was all new Wolverine. And uh, it's just like Tom Taylor. He's my current favorite writer in comics. Yeah, there were so many people that just had amazing years. Donny Cates' Venom was just too much fun. He's killing it on Thor as well. We mentioned Kelly Sue DeConnick, and her name's going to come up a couple more times. Jed McKay, again, wonderful. Jeff Lemire is just murdering it on everything that he's doing, and he's writing too many books for me to stop and name. The show would be an hour and a half. It's crazy how much that guy's putting out. Tom Taylor made my list too, but if there was one guy that I just looked at his his whole body of work for the year. And it's really impressive what Al Ewing has done. Not only did Immortal Hulk come to an amazing ending this year, he's working on Venom now, and it is just as much fun, if not better. They kill Eddie Brock in the first book in issue number one, and it's great. His Defenders is a ton of fun, and I don't even care about the Defenders. Sword, the X-Men book, continues to be great. Guardians of the Galaxy is ridiculous. We just talked about it, and we only find them when they're dead. I just caught up on that over Christmas vacation as well. And, oh, my God, he just had an amazing year. Al Ewing is fantastic. He just writes fun comics. See, and for me, like, I, I totally agree with you. And you could flip a coin and, and pick either one of these guys and and be right. But Al Ewing has a great year every year. Yeah. And I think we talked about Al Ewing pretty much nonstop for the last two years in a row. I couldn't fight it though. Just looking at so, that group of books. I know, and that's that's fair. Like nothing, no shade on your pick. I mean, it's just like when I when it came down to me, it's like, well, who's a writer that's saying something to me? Who's who's hitting me in a new way this year? Sure. You know, and and yeah, for me it was Tom. I just had to go but, with um, like that. Those are books that are top of my stack every week, and they do not disappoint. I don't blame you, not one bit. The other side of the comic book coin is the artwork. Of course, it's not a comic without it. Matt Baum, why don't you hit us with your best artists Again, of 2021? So many people just blew up this year. Uh, Philippe Andrade with his work on Many Deaths of Lila Starr. 
That book is incredible. It is mind-bending to look at. John Davis Hunt, who worked on The Wildstorm, he was working on Shadow Man this year. The book is just... That dude draws scarier demons than I think I've ever seen, and I love it. Ron Garney, once again, has reinvented himself on Berserker, and the book is unstoppably amazing to look at. Dan Mora continues just a kick-ass run on Watson Future. And not just that, Dan Mora worked on Detective as well, and God, it looked good. There was, I was tempted to give it to Phil Jimenez just for his work on Wonder Woman Historia. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for it's hard after just one issue, but it's also the only issue of that book he's drawn. Right, but it also, I've just never seen anything like it. It was so beautiful, but after going through all my reviews and just seeing how I talked about artists, I don't think anybody blew me away more than James Heron with his work on Ultra Mega at Image which is looks like it's going to be another giant robot story. You know, like, oh, look, it's James Heron's version of Ultraman. It absolutely was so much more. It was disgusting. It was violent. It was terrifying. And it was perfectly drafted. That dude, James Heron is one of these artists that just keeps getting better. And I don't know where it stops. And I can't wait for more of his book. I loved Ultra Mega. I love James Heron. Um, I'm not. I, I I'm not up on Ultra Mega, so he's not on my list. But uh, runners up for me include Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, uh, because of everything he's ever done. Jorge Corona, uh, who uh, has one issue of Batgirls out, but he also did the Batgirls backup stories in Detective yeah. and the Me You Love in the Dark, uh, written by Scotty Young, Dan Mora, of course, uh, Jeff Lemire who uh, is drawing his own story in May's book and it is beautiful yeah. and heartbreaking and kind of scary and weird and puzzling. Uh, and I love it. Uh, Phil Jimenez uh, for Wonder Woman Historia. Uh, Joel Jones, uh, who I completely forget about from, I, for some reason I forget about Joel Jones, but she's doing the work of her life on Wonder Girl right now. It is one of the most beautiful comic books on the stands each and every month. Uh, Greg Smallwood, who draws the human target. It's just beautiful. And, God, it's beautiful. It, like, so uh, the human target, Greg Smallwood, Greg Smallwood's style on the human target is like right in my particular wheelhouse of like off, slightly off kilter. Um, very mod, superhero very art sexy. where it's like, yeah, yeah kind of tiki 50s style, like very like Darwin Cookish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, where it's like, yeah, yes, it's superheroes, but also it's a detective not. story. Yeah, right. Um, and I love it so much. Uh, but hey, now three for three best artist of the year. Bruno Redondo for Nightwing. It's killing it. Uh, there isn't anything especially flashy about Bruno Redondo's particular style, uh, like his line art style. Yeah. Until. You see what he's capable of, and I'm going to talk about that more later in the show. But uh, it's it's a phenomenal piece of work. His run on Nightwing, and uh, I I I first I know he's been drawing stuff for DC for a while. Um, I first really sat up and noticed him when he drew Tom Taylor's reboot of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, got it. Uh, the short-lived Suicide Squad. Uh, and then when he jumped, made the jump to Nightwing, uh, I was like, oh, I, I was all in on Bruno Redondo. And he is my favorite superhero artist of the year. Love it. Our final round of awards go to the comics themselves. Not all series run forever. So let's start with our best miniseries, Map Bomb. Did, you know, I didn't read as many 
miniseries as I thought I did this year, but the ones there were some serious standouts. I mentioned Kang the Conqueror from Marvel earlier. Barbalian, which was the Jeff Lemire Black Hammer like uh, miniseries about the barbarian alien from Mars. That mm-hmm. that book was <laughs> so much better than it had any business being. And when you talk about a character like that, you would never guess that this is a story about a person trying to find their identity and questioning who they are and acting a certain way because they've been expected to. And it was amazing. It wasn't heavy handed at all. It it was so good that the trolls didn't even realize that there's a transsexual motive going on here. So they didn't get mad. You know, (laughs) that's how clever it was. Uh, Maniac of New York, two miniseries this year from Aftershock, both of which were fantastic. They, sort of set this slasher kind of Jason character loose on New York. But it's a lot like the pandemic where some people don't believe it's happening. Other people are just willing to live with it. And like, I don't know, I kind of like the maniac, you know, it hasn't bothered me. Yeah, like they want to have pan- <laughs> they want to have maniac of New York parties, yeah. right? It's very don't look up, if you will, but it's way more sure, sinister right? and oh, way more oh. violent. But I, can't, I don't know if I can bring myself to even watch that movie. Oh, my best miniseries has to go to Beta Ray Bill. From Marvel by Daniel Warren Johnson. This came out in March. They just fleshed out some stuff that we have never really dealt with with Beta Ray Bill. He got in a fight with Thor not too long ago. Thor broke Stormbreaker, which is the hammer that allows him to transform back and forth from his, you know, normal sort of look to the horse face monster superhero that he is. And in doing so, he's sort of stuck in God mode and he doesn't feel right. He feels like he lost a piece of his identity and himself, and he's trying to get it back and, like, dealing with the fact that he's not a god. He'll always be a second, and maybe he shouldn't be doing this, and why did he think he could? And sort of overcoming these feelings, you know, not to mention the biggest, most cosmic wackadoo like battle scenes yeah. you've ever seen with incredible cutaways of the Scuttlebutt, the ship that he's in and whatnot. They made Scuttlebutt a real character, and I loved her. Oh, Beta Ray Bill. It was unstoppably amazing. I mean, like, I'm certainly not trying to take away anything from Beta Ray Bill, which I love, but, like, if only... You know, he could just have a conversation with one of the multiple people that have all of the powers of Odin that he knows. He did. And they were like, they were just like, what do you mean? You're you're stuck in kick ass mode. Don't worry about it. And he's like, I need uh, Yeah, I know. It's just, but it's just like, come on. Like, come on. It's like, and hey. He's like, well, I want to stop being such big dummies. Get back to wherever I was. And they're like, well, your hammer's broken. So you can't. What's the problem? Because <laughs> they're all they're always who they are. And no, I get it. Not, yeah, like I get it. I, it's just, you know, Norse Norsemen, not not exactly known with being in touch with their feet. No, not at all. Fantastic version of Odin in this, by the way. Like swilling yes. beer, shirt off, chain wallet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. God, yeah. he's great. Big, big big time son of anarchy, you biker Viking. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I had a I, I I normally I'm like, did I read that many minis? Uh did I finish that many minis? And then I ended up with a list of seven minis. <laughs> there were some that uh, I started, but I can't like I can't bring myself to put them on the list until they're done. You know, um, I always I, I mean, I put them on the list because I have no choice. Um, now, some of them I'm just giving an honorable mention because they're either they're either less than halfway done right. or or whatever. Like Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King and Bill Kasevli is very good. It's outstanding. Um, it's it's not finished. Um but I'm enjoying it. Human Target is only three issues in, 
but every time it comes out, um, I have like, I have to read this right now, right yeah. now. Um, Beta Ray Bill, of course. Uh, Robin and Batman, who uh, is only on issue number two, but it's also only a three issue mini. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, like Robin and Batman number two, I mentioned not long ago as being one of my favorite single issues of the year. I did not remember to put that on my list. So here's a mental <laughs> note to remember to mention it here in a few minutes. Okay. Um, I think it's on my list. Uh, six sidekicks of Trigger, uh, pardon me, six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton uh, from Image by Kyle Starks and Chris Schweitzer. So fun. Uh, which is basically about the used and abused former child sidekicks of a Chuck Norris, Hulk Hogan, Lee Majors type TV action yeah, star. I think Lee Majors is probably the best for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chuck Norris as well, because there's a lot of karate type stuff. And yep. like, anyway, but Chuck Norris didn't really of a, have sidekicks. <laughs> but uh, well, neither did Lee Majors, man. He's sure kind he of a every movie he was in, he had a sidekick. Uh, listen, sometimes he's, um, he's obviously an amalgam of many different. A lot like, of times they were hot babies. TV tough guy archetypes, and um, he's been murdered, and one of them probably did it, and they have banded together to solve the murder. It's and so they good. and they all hate him. <laughs> it's great. Oh yeah, they hate him. Um, Inferno. Really, this kind of shocks me. Why? I'm not saying it was bad, but I. And when I, it's not over, there's one issue to one. It's not go. over, but where I, and I'm caught up, and I'm just like. Uh, like I need to see how this ends, I guess, before I feel really yes, good. About but it. I, uh, but it, it, it compels me every time Inferno comes out. I'm reminded of yes. all the things that I loved about what Jonathan Hickman was doing. I'll give you compelling. Definitely. Which is something that I want to touch on at the end of the show. Um, but my best miniseries of the year so far after just two issues uh, is Catwoman Lonely City from DC's black label imprint by Cliff Chang. It's probably the best Catwoman story I've read since the Ed Brubaker Darwin Cook Catwoman. Yeah, definitely. In, in, in like 2000 and whatever. If we still had a double threat award, I would like have to go back or like back and forth on Cliff Chang and Danny Warren Johnson. I don't know who would win, quite honestly. Yeah, it's uh, so Catwoman Lonely City uh, is a is an out of continuity future story where 10 years ago uh, something happened. Uh, there was something called what was it called? I forget what, what the what they called the the, the night. But like Batman the, the, Batman died though. Batman was killed. Yeah, yeah it was it was like Judgment Night or the Joker's Night or the Last Laugh or something like that. But like an event happened where there was this big thing with the Joker. Batman dies, and his last words to Bat, uh, to Catwoman have kind of set her on this mission that Fool's she had been night. sitting on. Fool's Night. There you Fool's go. Night. Thank you. Thank God I couldn't come up with it. They claim the lives uh, yeah, of Batman, it's, it's the certain, Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's certainly not Judgment Night, the uh, <laughs> Mick Jagger movie. Sorry about that. No, that wasn't. Ju no, Judgment Night was a bunch of like rappers, dude. You, you oh, think you got the power? Uh, get your punk ass to the then tower. Which one was? Which one was Mick Jagger? You're gonna run away? Maybe Free Jack. He oh, was in Free Jack. Jack. Sorry, Sorry, Runaway was totally different. Comment. Runaway was Gene Simmons. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Fool's Night, and all these characters get killed, and uh, now two ten years later, uh, Catwoman is just out of prison. Uh, two faces, the mayor, not Harvey Dent. Two face, right? He's still got two Full faces. Full on two face. He's, he's doing. He's doing much better. They call him Mayor Two. They they call him Mayor Two Face behind his back, but he's obviously supposed to be Harvey Dent, even though his face is still all jacked up, just like Andrew Cuomo. Uh, right, right, exactly. Um, Barbara Gordon is running against him, uh, and um, Killer Croc is this like washed up, like 
he reminds me of Rocky from the later Rocky movies yeah. from like Creed, where it's like he's yeah, old. And now he's just some schlub, right? His knees hurt and blah, yeah. blah, blah. His body is broken um, from getting his ass kicked by Batman yes. too many times. <laughs> uh, and so Catwoman is on a mission with this kind of Ocean's Eleven type crew of shitty former supervillains to to fulfill Batman's last wishes, which are to break into the Batcave and steal something yeah. that we don't know what it'll do yet. Uh, it's so good. It's so, so good. And I did not know Cliff Chang as a writer. I, I, I did not know Cliff Chang as a writer before this. And I am like, I'm here to tell you Cliff Chang is a tremendous writer right there on par with his art, which of course the series is beautiful uh, it's it's the best mini I'm I'm currently reading. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. One issue to go. I hope it doesn't shit the bed. Not all series ended this year, Joe. There were some that also just got started. Let's talk about our best new series that showed up in 2021. All right. Hey. Uh, so I have a few runners up. Uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here from Image by Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss uh, is two issues in. Uh, it's wonderful. It's a, a really strong follow-up to Four Kids Walking to a Bank uh, about this kind of like post-apocalypse or, I mean, is that really the apocalypse? I guess something along those lines. It's I mean, it's not, it's like a very mild apocalypse where it's like the adults are dead, right. but like, you know, the infrastructure is still there. There is a dystopia um, because it, like yeah, power sure, doesn't right. run real great and stuff like something. Yeah, like right, right. Yeah. A, a Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. God, which um amazing. I, which uh, it was such a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, what a departure for from uh, Rick Remender. Yeah. Um, that, like, I, I was looking back at my review for that first issue, and it was just like, yeah, there's hardly any dialogue. Yeah. And, it, like, it's so, it's like the antithesis of, an, of a typical Rick Remender uh, story, and it is so well told and beautifully drawn by Andre Lima Araujo. Yeah. Um, Wonder Girl, as previously mentioned by Joel Jones. But my best new series of 2021 is Superman, Son of Kal-El from DC by Tom Taylor and John Timms. I, I am blown away by that comic month in and month out. It's Superman doing the things that Superman would do if he was allowed to be the idealist yeah. that we all think he should be. Right. And not right. And but also not like painting Superman as like, oh, he's out of date and he's working for the no, man. Nothing like that. Nothing like, like that. He's just like, like he, in the first issue, he comes to his son and says, you know why I don't do that stuff? Because that's you. This is you. You right. go do that yeah. stuff. You know, like, yeah, I mean, so it's like so it's good. also it walks a line between, you know, Superman, who is the ideal, right? The icon right. who does his best for everybody, no matter the circumstances, um, but also don't really like we're talking about corporate comics here. Don't really expect him to like remove Trump from power. Right. Or He's whatever. not going to tear Trump <laughs> in half over, over like, the White House. <laughs> yeah, like, Superman is like, look, humanity has to make its own way. I'm here to help, but humanity has got to make its own decisions. Sure. Right. Uh, it's also on the, on the far end of that spectrum is the authority with Apollo. And it's like, we're going to fly to the Middle East and remove uh, Osama bin Laden from the picture or whatever. And um, we're not getting that either, but we are getting like John Kent, flying into a sovereign nation and freeing a bunch of refugees yeah. and bringing them to metropolis it's like yeah he's he's the character he's the super idealist that a character a young character like this should be given that kind of power right and, and he given pays the for parentage that he has he's learning that there's ramifications to this stuff as well yeah it's absolutely not just like, right he's 100 good guy a lot of people are like 
I want the old Superman back. This guy kind of sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and it's also, you know, hopefully we stay away from the, you know, we put up Metropolis in a bottle of a, uh, Superman we get from Future State. Well, we haven't gotten uh, there I, yet, not, so I think we're I'm safe. not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced we're going to actually see that. But, I think we're safe. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that book is so great. Uh, and also it's and he's also, you know, he's exploring his sexual identity yeah. and uh, he's making new friends. He's even uh, he's got unique relationships with uh, his dad's like uh, worst villains. Like the, the annual that came out a couple of weeks ago where he meets Lex Luthor for the first time was so good. Yeah, it was amazing. And yeah, it's what a wonderful book. Superman, Son of Kal-El. Well, again, Tom Taylor doing what you said he does best. Yep. There was a lot of really good new stuff that popped up this year. And I found uh, like myself returning to sort of like comic noir again. That Texas Blood was fantastic. New Burn, another book by Chip Zdarsky and Sean Phillips. Beautiful. The Good Asian was another one about an Asian detective working in San Francisco that we both reviewed and loved. Not Sean Phillips, uh, the other, Jacob Phillips. He did a, no, Jacob Phillips did New Burn. Yes. Sean oh, sorry, sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, he also did that Texas blood. Yeah. So it's 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 not Sean Phillips that we Pardon know me. from yeah. the Ed Brubaker. We found the, out it's the son, right? I believe the son, yes. Yeah, which is so cool. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the Good Asian, which I was mentioning, which was an amazing detective story about an Asian detective that is sort of lighter skinned and can fit into white society in San Francisco in the, it's like 30s, 40s, I think. And yeah, Depression era. I'd man, say. it just gets better and better. There was a lot of really good sci-fi, Time Before Time, that was Declan Shelby's new book. Really caught me by surprise. Love that book. But my best new series has to go to Barbaric. Ah, this came from Barbaric. Vault. It, we're in a time where, to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of over a lot of fantasy comics because I feel like they're all sort of doing the same dance. They're either hyper serious or they're so fantastic that you literally can't read anything else. You have to be dropped in this world to stay in, stay tuned as to what's happening. And Michael Morrissey and Nathan Gooden have put together a book that is funny. It is violent. It is not a character you should be rooting for, but it's a character that is paying his dues, basically. He was a really, really terrible person. He killed some witches, and you just don't mess with witches. They put a curse on him that basically gave his yeah. axe like a conscience, and his axe talks to him now. <laughs> and and it, well, he, like, thirsts for blood, right? The axe thirsts for blood? No, he does. The axe is like, I mean, yes, we need blood. I don't disagree, but we can only kill bad guys. That's the rule. Because oh. <laughs> before, he was just a monster. <laughs> just murdered whoever. And the art, Nathan C. Gooden just gets better and better with every issue. It's funny. It's really well written. The book has got really good heart. And I just love Michael Morrissey. I like the way that guy writes comics. I love to see him succeed. I do too. One of the nicest guys in the business. Barbaric, my best new series. Well, hey, you know, if you're not a new series and you're not a limited series, there's only one thing left for you. You're an ongoing series. Unless you're a one shot, but we're not going to mention that. Uh, ongoing series. A lot of great work this year from comics, uh, DC, Marvel, Image, elsewhere. It is our job every year to pick our favorite. Matt Baum, 
What's your favorite ongoing series? This was another one that was so tough for Or me. as the Eisners would call it, best continuing series. Continuing series. There we go. Yeah. They're like, you know, we've mentioned Nightwing several times. Daredevil was a ton of fun. Seven Secrets was another one we both really loved and I've kept up with, and it just keeps getting better. Donnie Kate's Thor has been quietly just fantastic. And I don't know why. It seems like he's a superstar artist and or he's a superstar writer, and the book is so great. Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo at IDW has not seen one late issue this year, and it is high quality every time it comes out. Huge nod to Stan Sakai. This one was very hard for me because of some stuff that happened with the artist, but I have to give this to the Immortal Hulk. The way that Ewing put a bow on that story. I just reread it like over Christmas break, started the beginning and read all the way through. And in one shot, it is the most terrifying, heavy metal, psychological lunacy. <laughs> yeah, it's a like, Cronenbergian body oh horror God. nightmare. There are pages yeah, that I forgot about that I just, I opened up and went, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it's, 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 it's rough. Yeah. And, and everything they did to the Hulk universe as well was so much fun. And they had a plan the whole time. They executed it perfectly. And they set the Hulk up in a place where Donnie Cates can take it over and have a ton of fun with it. And it's already two issues in. It's great. Yes. It's it so really much fun. Is, and it's, it's very good. I don't think that is an easy task by any, by any means. And even looking at the shithead artist who got fired from the book, Man, this is just perfect execution. It's the best ongoing series for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, and again, for me, this was a situation where it's like, well, how many years in a row am I going to talk about the Immortal Hulk? I get it. You know? And, and I, I mean, it is what it is. If it's your favorite, it's your favorite. But while I hate to say I'm, I'm glad the guy got to finish out the run, uh, let me rephrase it a different way. I, I'm glad that the run was already done. Yeah. Before this stuff about Joe Bennett came yes, out, yes, because there is a and, there's a look to the book, there's a feel to yeah, it. Yeah, and because now it can now it can read as uh, as an experience right. instead of an experience with this weird little hiccup at the end. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's selfish of me to think that, but um, I don't think so. Al Ewing even came out and said we're ending this book this way because it was done, and this is the story. I'm never working with this right. guy again. This yeah, is the story, yes. and this is how it should and, end. You know? you know, and you can enjoy the book on its own merits without absolutely like, supporting the stance of uh, any of the toxic stances of for of, sure of the artist. Um, and I mean, yeah, I guess there he might still be making royalties or something, but you know what? He doesn't make royalties on back issues. Yeah, um, I doubt he makes any money off of the digital app. Uh, you know, or hey, you know what? Yeah, we we're, we all live on the internet. I ain't gonna say anything more than that. But look, read the Immortal Hulk; it's great. Right. Uh, for me, again, a ton of stuff. Uh, Immortal Hulk was on my list. Uh, Iron Man. I wanted to find a way. I, I wanted to find a way to cheat and get that on my best new series, but it was five issues deep uh, before twenty twenty ended. It's true. Um. So, but it is here on my list uh, of best uh, ongoings. Uh, Daredevil, naturally. Uh, Superman, son of Kal El, of course. Um, but hey, in case you haven't figured it out by now, my best ongoing series for 2021 is Nightwing. You can't stop yourself. DC Comics, <laughs> written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. Uh, it is really a it's a remarkable comic book, and uh, that's all I'm going to say right now because I'm going to talk about it again in another minute or two. Fair so. enough. 
I think the hardest award we give out every year is the best single issue award because we read so many comics and yes. looking back and trying to put yourself like in the position that you were in when you reviewed it. Like I went back and I listened to my review and what, how I talked about this book. And I mean, I'll get into that in a minute, but there was a lot of others that I really loved. The death of Dr. Strange. Number one was so much fun, just stupid fun. Beta Ray Bill. Number three was probably one of the biggest cosmic battles I've ever seen. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, Wonder Woman, Historia, the Amazons, number one, was just soul-crushingly beautiful, unlike anything I've ever seen in a Wonder Woman comic. This one, planet-sized X-Men, the one shot. Jerry Duggan put it out. We didn't expect a whole lot. Marvel said, they're going to do something big. We're going to do something big. And we went, all right, what is it? Then they terraformed Mars, and we went, holy yeah, the X -Men, the shit. X -Men, yeah, the X-Men were just like, this planet is ours now. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. You know, it's, not like, it's not like DC where it's like people live there. It's like, no, it's ours now. Nobody's yeah. using it. It's ours. My number one runner-up, though, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number one. Mm -hmm. That book is so good, and it's this homage to sort of the Dark Knight Returns and sort of like Frank Miller Daredevil type stuff. And they did such yeah. an excellent job making you think that the final turtle is one guy. And then you get to the reveal where we figure out who it actually is. And you're just crushed. Like, like oh, my God, this poor guy. <laughs> yes. So right. wonderful. But my best single issue, it goes to the Immortal Hulk, Time of Monsters, the one shot from Marvel. This was written by Al Ewing and Alex Packnadel, a guy that we interviewed and we really like, with art by Juan Ferreira. Ferreira. Sorry, Ferreira. Uh, the second story was written by David Vaughn, who is Brian K. Vaughn's little brother, with art by Kevin Nolan. It was fine. Whatever. But that first story, where we look at a group of tribe, it was like some tribe, primordial man, dealing with the Hulk force, the green door. Yeah, the green door. The right? idea gamma. of the rage that Gamma has been around for years and years and years. It is violent, terrifying. It has nothing to do with the Hulk. And it was absolutely riveting. And like I said, there was a second story that I didn't care about. And this is still my best single issue of the year. God, it was so good. I, love I mean, it. it's not even that that second story was bad. It's just... It's fine. It's just fine. Yeah. I really like uh, Kevin Nolan a lot. But you know what I don't care about? The Marvel were, Scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Right. Sure, right. <laughs> Looking at that issue, I remember very distinctly uh, thinking and saying to you, is this backstory a reprint? <laughs> because I know that Mike Mignola did, like... A, a cover i think he did a fill-in issue of the hulk where like the hulk fights werewolf by night or the scarecrow or both and maybe it's like, yeah uh, but then it was like oh no it's written by brian Kavon's brother it's like oh this is brand new okay, and kevin weird. nolan was the artist right kevin nolan yes oh. i'm sorry mike mignola did the cover of that uh hulk issue yeah. thing um but yeah kevin nolan and um who we love we love kevin nolan yes uh but yeah no shade like whatever i will say this when it comes to hulk lore i'm not overly fond of the idea that gamma is automatically bad for everybody. Um, I, I much prefer what Peter David came up with where it's like, look, the reason the Hulk is a rampaging monster and she Hulk isn't and doc Samson isn't. And the abomination while evil isn't um, is that Bruce Banner is profoundly broken as a human being. Sure. That's great. And I love it. And it's compelling and wonderful. Um, he very much touches on though, like, 
that is who is attracted to gamma. Like that is I part guess. of the problem. Um, and like, we don't understand it. It is what it is. But all these people that have been like Leonard Sampson, he's okay. Leonard Sampson got a little bit and he was all right because he's Leonard Sampson. And yeah, but he's not all right now. He's not all right anymore. I think neither a, is Rick Jones. Well, Rick Jones, or yeah. Betty. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, like read the immortal Hulk. Nobody, nobody in that book is okay. Like I am stunned that we somehow got she Hulk back to baseline. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, as much as I prefer, like, it's not, uh, you know, it's it's nurture, not nature that makes makes a Hulk. I can't argue that uh, this stuff is not like the most compelling the Hulk has been in decades. God, and just terrifying. And, yeah, yeah. The, You're absolutely right. Just making him into like the psychological monster. That is like the element that was missing. Because like, look, the Hulk is not very scary. He's a green guy. He rawr, smashes stuff. He wears purple pants. He's not a scary monster. I mean, he's like a tornado, right? You they, don't want him to show up. But right. It's not like he's. But they it's made not, him the most terrifying yeah. thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, uh, my runners up uh, again. It, it, you you were spot on in that it is so hard to like look back. The smartest thing we ever did was start saving every review we yeah. write in each year. Yes, <laughs> because god help us i don't know how we did it before that i have four years um, of it man <laughs> yeah well i mean we've been doing it in a number of years now um but even even with that list i looked back at my list and the list of books that i would have felt um comfortable putting on my best single issue of the year list uh is like only about four months worth and uh it includes Batman the Long Halloween Special, which I was dreading and ended up loving. It was excellent. Um, Avengers number 50 slash 750, which actually turned my entire opinion around about Jason Aaron's Avengers. Uh, and obviously, of course, Wonder Woman Historia, book one, colon, The Amazons by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez. Um, it is it is the most beautiful comic book I think I have ever seen. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> which is weird to say. Like, I mean, it's what. Like, well, if it's the most beautiful comic you've ever seen, how come Phil Jimenez isn't your favorite artist of the? Because I don't know if I want that every single time. You don't. You don't want filet mignon for every meal every day. For sure. And he did one issue. I mean, right. Like, and he's only doing one issue exactly. Yeah. Um, but and surprise, surprise, my favorite, my f- best single issue of the year is from Nightwing. It's Nightwing number eighty-seven from DC. We didn't even review it because it came out during one of our off weeks. It's by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo and colorist Adriano Lucas. This is the issue that they've been hyping for months where every single page flows into the next from left to right. Yeah. And they could have, if they had wanted to be total assholes about it, they could have made this a 22 fold gatefold comic sure it could have been a shtick uh, too it could have just been a shtick right and like it like i've seen a i've seen a picture of the art bruno redondo with the art laid end to end on the floor before i went to printing yeah he went nuts. and it, it's it's ridiculous and the way that that book seamlessly tells the story not just uh through dialogue which i am obviously already on board with but um just a fluid movement of the character from place to place from panel to panel um and really it really it ends up being the vast majority is like uh landscape style like um echo lands Lands. yeah and uh wonder woman historia for that matter but um where it just like yeah he exits one page on the right and enters the next on the left and 
They don't miss a beat. No. You would think that there is a moment where it's like, well, that doesn't connect. No, it all connects. It all connects. And not only do they use, uh, you know, the, the, the width and the height, but they, Bruno Redondo plays tricks with the, with the depth of yeah. field in that panel where like you will see Nightwing enter a building in the background and then or like he'll drop down into a skylight into a warehouse and they'll be like thud, thud, thud. And then Batgirl's on the outside of the building doing something. And then you will see Nightwing come out of that building in the foreground because yeah. the building is like L shaped. And it is so incredible to look at. Like I read that comic and it blew me away in, un, in any other month. If it had been normally drawn, just normal ass Bruno Redondo style, it would have been a fine issue. Yeah, it would have been great. Just a, a normal issue of Nightwing, nothing special, just baseline good. But the way they executed the storytelling in Nightwing 87 is truly remarkable. Keep, it is my favorite single issue of the year. Best thing I read. And keep in mind, this isn't Nightwing 100 or Nightwing 50. No, it's Nightwing 87. It's just Nightwing 87. Here's a kick-ass issue. You know, and how long yeah. have we been how long have we been screaming about that? Can't we just get back to like doing cool stories in the actual yeah. book? <laughs> you know? And it's like and it's not like you could read this story and go, it's just a it's just kind of filler. Because it's not like part one or the of a storyline or the conclusion of a storyline. It's just like, no, this is just in the scheme of things currently happening in in Nightwing, um, there's a hit out on Dick Grayson, uh, and he is trying to find out who did it and stop them with the help of Batgirl. And like, there's, there's no like super flashy superhero fights. No. There's no like crazy villain. That's It's very low stakes. It's just a, it's just a good comic book story. Expertly told like right. next level. Brilliant. And Tom Taylor just leaned back and said, Bruno, take it away. <laughs> like, yeah. Go for it. Just show him what yes. you can do. Oh my God. So good. Remarkable. It's an ongoing joke here in the Ziggurat that uh, we're not great at graphic novels. We're not good at paying attention, I think, is the, is the uh, joke. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> um, but I like to think we've done better this year. Yeah, definitely. In terms of reviewing graphic novels. But a lot of the stuff we've reviewed have been collected editions, trade paperbacks. Sure. However, we still have an award at Golden Depot for Best Graphic Novel of the Year. Matt Baum, do you have one? Yeah, I, I had more than I thought, actually. And the one that I did pick... I literally just read, so it it's still right there in my brain. But I loved Scene of the Crime from Image. That was uh, that was Brubaker and Phillips again, right? Yes, Brubaker. Okay. And yeah. I had Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Just doing what they do best, telling like gnarly crime noir stories. Great stuff. Far Sector by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. It read so much better as a trade. I, I liked it issue by issue, but you got to sit down. Yeah, you got to. Well, and you it. know what? And I was I was thinking about Far Sector. I had it on my list of like best ongoings or whatever, or best mini. And then I was, and then I realized, oh wait, we've been talking about Far Sector since 2019. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. So really, really it took late. them a long time to get that book out. But you got a shotgun it. It reads so much better. Uh, Tuki yeah. from Jeff Smith, fan. Fantastic. Loved it. And I know it's old stuff that he has updated, but that dude is still working at such an incredible level. I, I loved it. But my best graphic novel went to the most disturbing thing that I have read all year. It was Did You Hear What Eddie Gain Done? 
the story of Ed Gain, famous Wisconsin serial killer, as told by Harold Schechter and Eric Powell. Eric Powell is the artist of The Goon, and quite honestly, I can't think of anyone better to tell this story than Eric Powell. His, he's an amazing, very soft penciler, very soft shading. This whole book is black and white. It is gorgeous, and there are pages that are extremely hard to look at. And it's the kind of thing where I don't know how you reference some of this stuff. This is coming out of his head, drawing Ed Gain, wearing women's skin and a woman's face mask that he tanned himself. I don't know where that comes from other than your sick mind. <laughs> and Eric Powell is so incredible here. Not to mention the research they did. They dug in to FBI tapes, FBI files, newspaper articles. And in the back, they say, like, there are some things we definitely plugged in for the story's sake, for the plot's sake to carry it through. Like, you get to see why Ed Gain is who he is. And he's more of a tragic character than he is a monster because of the way his upbringing. He was raised in a nightmare. And it taught him to lose his identity it taught him to lose his sense of humanity and his sense of human life. And it is incredible. It's impossible to put down. I read it in, I think, an hour and a half. Just burned through it. Amazing book. Best graphic novel of the year. Uh, yeah, mine's right there uh, in that same kind of wheelhouse of, um, <laughs> of storytelling style. Uh, but first, let me get to my uh, runners up. Um I'll confess, I, I did not read a lot of standalone graphic novels this year, um, but I looked back at our Patreon, at our Take a Look installments, uh, and these were my favorites. Uh, scene of the Crime, obviously. Um, scene of the Crime, yes, it was originally, a, it came out in floppies as a miniseries uh, from Vertigo, but that was forever ago. And uh, so essentially it's a graphic novel. I don't mind new sexy um, collections either. Like I almost put like the uh, berserk collections that have been coming out right here because they're oh, so yeah. gorgeous. And like, look at you. Those are books that are Mr. 25 Fancy. years old, I think. Uh, the Downriver People from Boom by Adam Smitha and Matthew Fox. Uh, I We reviewed that with Nick, our friend Nick Garcia, Black Scorpion the Three. Um, I know that we were uh, puzzled by some of it. But something about it stuck with me, and I think about it fairly frequently. Uh, some of the imagery from that book, it, it was uh, haunting, hauntingly beautiful. And this is not just by default. Like, my favorite graphic novel of the year was The Mystery of the Meanest Teacher, a Johnny Constantine mystery from D.C. Uh, it was written by Ryan North with art by Derek Charm. And on paper, it is everything that we should hate. Yeah. It is an all-ages, kidded, dumbed-down version of Hellblazer, somehow repackaged as an all-ages graphic novel. And it shouldn't have worked. It absolutely did work. And we shouldn't have been surprised. We all Ryan, loved it. Yeah. Ryan North is a genius. We all loved it. And we were um, all just shocked. The only one who wasn't yeah. was, uh, who'd we review with? It was Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Mount. Ryan yeah, Mount, yes. the only one who was not shocked was Ryan Mount. He was uh, like, Ryan, like Ryan is our resident, like all ages graphic right. novel guy. Um, and so I was like, yeah, of course it's good. He reads his stuff to his kids and he loves it. Yeah. He's like, this is going to be great. And we all loved it. And uh, yeah, it was such a surprise. It's got all the things like it's, you know, it's got Zatanna. It removes him from London, which explains why he's not just like immediately magicking everything away because his magic doesn't work right. Um, and, and it's this like very touching tale about finding friends in a strange place. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where everybody hates you. And, but it might um, be your fault too. 
<laughs> right. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Taking accountability for, yeah. for, yeah, it's what a wonderful, wonderful surprise, a, a, a great story, a great a lesson, beautifully drawn. The mystery of the meanest teacher. There you go. Etrigan shows up. Etrigan, the demon, the literal demon from hell. He's cute as hell. Shows up in this comic book. <laughs> He's adorable. <laughs> uh, and it's the best. Uh, like, I, I can't wait for the next Johnny Constantine book. I loved it. Thank you to everybody that was nominated and received votes. 2021 was, again, a wonderful year for comics. And anyone who doesn't agree is not paying attention. Creators, you will receive your Golden Beppos in the mail. We're sorry you couldn't be here again because of uh, Omicron and quarantine. But yes. here's to hoping yeah. next year, live and in person, the THN, Golden <laughs> Beppos. <laughs> um, and if there's anything uh, I've learned from those liars in Hollywood is that it is an honor just to be nominated. There are no losers <laughs> in the true. Ziggurat. Look, Matt, uh, I know that we just were riding high on um, the best things we read this year, but it wouldn't be the two-headed nerd comic book podcast if we didn't also acknowledge some of the less good things. Sure, with the sweet <laughs> we comes read the sour, this year. right? And if we don't have the sour, we can't tell what's sweet. Come on. I mean, that's a, fa- a logical fallacy, but okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, but... Uh, so some of our worst of 2021, what is on your list? Oh, I got to start with the Zack Snyder Justice League, but not the one you're thinking of. Look, we watched the movie. We lived through it. It was whatever. The Snyder Cut. But yeah, then four hours. they released the Snyder Cut again as justice is gray. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe it had like, oh uh, my God. Sh- I can't believe it had a shitty scuzzball name to oh, go with it. too. And they took the most dour dull looking film you could possibly think of and did the unimaginable they took out the remaining color so it was gray and brown (laughs) it's so ugly and bad i just don't Mm. understand Ugh, terrible joe back at you what's your first worst of 2021 Uh, squeaking in with one issue at the beginning of 2021 uh, I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity to mention Dark Knight's death metal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which ended in January. Uh, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even though it ended, uh, it, we still had a bunch of one shots that, like, I think plagued us until almost June. That's an exaggeration. But Ugh. yes, uh, yeah, death metal was um, a chore. Yeah. It was a chore, to say the least. Special kind of garbage, I would call it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Picking up on death metal, the next big event that DC had for us was 5G. But wait, no, we fired the editor-in-chief, and instead we get Future State, which is sort of 5G, but also Future State. And so confusing that even though there was good stuff, there was, and there was some good stuff. Go back and look at our reviews. We really liked it. Nobody has any clue where it fits in. Nobody has any clue if it means anything. And the only books that dealt with it again were the Bat books. And they forced that crap into a lot of really good Bat books 
that didn't need it. And it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like, you got rid of Dan DiDio to do this? <laughs> like, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if that's why they got rid of him, but... Um, well, it definitely changed you know, gears once they did. Well, yes, certainly. And this is, you know, this is where I will point out that every single issue of Future State had a disclaimer at the beginning. Yes, had a it disclaimer, did. But I know. like an intro at the beginning that said... This is a this is essentially a what if it's what could be. Yep. It's it is sometime in the future. It's not specifically five years. It's not specifically ten years. It's not even specifically one year. Right. It was kind of an odd thing to do, where it's like, yeah, we're gonna yank the rug out of, from all of these books in mid story to do these kind of what ifs, um, but then we're gonna keep some of them, and we're not gonna really explain how you got from point A to point B yeah. in, in most of the cases. Uh, and, and it's not like Batman, Batman is obviously the worst offender, but like, look, Aqualad is becoming the new Aquaman. John Kent is the new super, like a lot of these books are carrying on future state ideas, just not in the way we read them in that month. And thank goodness for it. Because yeah. after the end of the two month experiment, I was just like, um, well, I'm just, I never need to think about that again. No, absolutely not. Done there. <laughs> Please leave it alone. Uh, next on my w- worst of list, uh, Batman Catwoman. Yeah. By Tom King and Clayman. So Tom King had this plan. It's like the road to 100 issues. 100 issues of Batman. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the guy. 100 consecutive issues of Batman. Oh, wait a minute. DC took me off the book with issue 85. Yeah. So with 15 issues to go in his run, DC replaced him with James Tinney in the four. And then they're like, he's going to wrap up his run in Batman Catwoman. Don't worry. It's going to be great. Um, oh, so it's 15 issues then. So he gets a hundred issues out of the deal. No, it's 10 issues. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Well, uh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Oh, and also it's a black label book and half of it is in the future. Oh, pardon me. 33 and a third percent of it is in the future. Yeah, 33 say, and a third percent a of it third. is <laughs> in the past and 33 and a third percent of it is in the present. Um, Catwoman is a murderer. Uh, Batman is dead. The Phantasm. You guys like the F- mask of the Phantasm, right? That's yeah. the thing people love. He's here. And it's like, no, nah, no. <laughs> and it's, it is a, it is just a miserable, impossible to follow train wreck of a comic and a limited Series. No, again, no shade to Liam Sharp, who is a tremendous artist that I love. But they came out and said, yes, we're going to do a 10 issue Batman Catwoman thing to wrap up Tom's Batman mission statement. Clay Man's going to draw it. And they replaced Clay Man eight issues in. Yeah. And, and it what? wasn't like something personal happened. Like, I get it if you got sick. Or I don't know. He got I, no, I, I never saw anything about it. There it was wasn't just like, word one. He just where's Clay Man? He's just gone. He's not there anymore. I don't know if the yeah. story changed and Clay Man was like, I'm not redrawing that. And they were like, All right, somebody else will. <laughs> I no, I, 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 I have. I literally have no idea. And it would have been one thing if it's like, Yeah, this is a special issue that's like in the mind of the Joker or, or in, in know, the past or, or you know, or, in right, a dream. Or it's a scarecrow it's, <laughs> right. through the through the haze of fear. Talk. Like no, it's just like nope. It's the exact same story we've been reading. Yeah. With a totally different artist, not only a different artist, but a completely visually well, different artist. And I don't know if it's, I mean, yes, but Clayman definitely has a style and he's not the kind of guy that you just grab a fill in for. Like, 
he had a style and a look to that book. It looked gorgeous. Uh, but uh, but Clay Man is also a much more like standard looking superhero style artist than Liam Sharp. I mean, yeah, I'll give you that definitely. Yeah. But I will and say so, uh, he was and, pretty stylized in this. Yeah, I it's what a mess. Yeah. What a mess. Batman Catwoman. No thanks. So I already talked about Joe Bennett uh, ruining the Immortal Hulk with his vile racist bullshit. So I'll just jump straight to. Jupiter Ascending sucking so bad and Cowboy Bebop being so great, but both were canceled. And now we're left with a Super Crooks anime that sort of kind of takes place in the Jupiter Ascending universe, Mark Millar's world, and it's not good either. So I don't and, know. And, and by the way, the Super Crooks comic book did not take place in the Jupiter's Legacy No, universe. it didn't. They just dropped this in there, and I don't yeah. get it. I don't know what is going on with the Millerverse. He is so excited about everything that fails on Twitter. <laughs> like, I... I don't think it's long for this world. And quite I honestly, mean, they paid, they paid him a bunch of money. They paid a ton so. of cash and they can't get it back. So good for you, Netflix, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a waste though. What would just, what a waste. It could have been a great show that decided to focus on boring stuff that they added to the story. I don't get it. It was terrible. Since you only have one left, I'm going to kind of consolidate the next few into one or the next couple into one bullet. And it's mainly about books treading water. First up, Bendis just kind of fizzling out at DC. Yeah. So like, what happened? What happened with Bendis and his exclusive DC contract? I don't get it. They let it expire, which is fine. Like that is bound to happen. But they didn't. He continued to write books. But he continued to write books that nobody is talking about. Yeah. Like he's writing the Justice League comic. And as far as I can tell, it is one of the most mediocre team books on the on the stands. Yeah, I've tried catching um, up and I just I just got it, it, look, is it bad? No. Is it good? I don't remember. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's exactly. where I'm at. <laughs> the uh his his run on Legion for some reason just abruptly ended. Yeah. Started really fun uh, too. I liked it. It did, and uh, it just uh, it abruptly ended, and then now all of a sudden we're getting a JL uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes miniseries that yeah. they're hyping up, and it's like, but I, I have does to anybody wonder, still care? It's I have been a to year. Wonder if all this happened when they decided they were getting rid of the imprints and the creator-owned stuff, and they were just going to focus on what they're doing, and all of a sudden he had a deal with Dark Horse, and he was like, all my stuff, all my creator-owned stuff is now going to live at Dark Horse, you know? But no, but DC never said that they were getting rid of any of the imprints. They, like Nobody at DC made this statement of, like, no more imprints. They went so away. We still have, well, yeah, sure, but Black <laughs> Label, Black Label had a, pardon me, um, Young Animal had a second life. Right. Black Label is still going. Black uh, Label's not creator-owned, though. I th I'm talking Hill about House is creator-owned, and it's still going. Um, and Wonder Comics, Bendis' Wonder Comics, none of that stuff was creator-owned. Yeah. But so what? You know, it like it's it's just it's just a catch-all place for like the right young young hero stuff like Amethyst and and Young Justice and all that. Yeah. And like and then those books are probably like why did Young Justice end? Just get a new writer to write Young Justice. Well, and you did things like bring back like the clone Superboy and like these characters that people really love. And we were like, right. how are they gonna do this? And they're like, Well, don't worry, we're just gonna do it for a little bit and it'll quietly go away. Right. <laughs> Why uh, did you do that? Uh, now he's like he's still saying like he's he's still at DC. He loves DC. Yep. He's he's doing uh, that Legion super uh, that Legion Justice League thing. Um, 
he's going to be writing the second volume of Naomi, which is coming up uh, in conjunction with the TV show that starts in January. There's also that persistent rumor that he will be the new ongoing writer of Batman, which uh, is, has not been announced. I do not buy it. I think they were trying to get that done. And I think it just felt just, it's, it's just such a strange thing. The X-Men books. I have loved the powers of X house of X run the Jonathan Hickman redefinition of the X-Men universe. Loved it. I've loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I hit a wall with 10 of swords. I admit it. I hit a wall. It, it just, it did not click for me. It was way too damn long. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I, I but I hate that other world shit. I hate it. it. I love it so much. And yeah, I'm not saying it's uh, good. It's super nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and I always intended, I always told myself, yeah, I'm just going to pick back up. What, what, I, I read all of Ten of Swords. I had like uh, the reading order is easy to follow. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get back on the horse and read all the X-Men books again. And e- with each new week, I find there's another three X books that I haven't read. And I'm still reading, like I still read X-Men. Uh, Jerry and- Duggan's X-Men is great. I've been it is. It, it is great. It's very good. And, and I think Marauders uh, has been fun. And you know what? I, and I jumped into Inferno, thinking, "Oh, this is Hick-, you know Hickman's back," and uh, in, you know Inferno. It's the next the next stage. And uh, do you need to have read any of the preceding years worth of content? No. No. You do not. No. It picks up right <laughs> um, after Hawks and Pox, basically. Like, remember Nimrod? Yeah. Remember when that was a problem? We're doing that right. again. Jonathan Hickman, there was a lot of publicity uh, around Jonathan Hickman um, stepping back, not leaving, but stepping aside for a while from the uh, lead of the X franchise. The explanation was all of the other writers were having such a great time uh, working on phase one of this plan that they didn't want to move on to phase two. Yeah. And while it's certainly very nice and very, you know, um, I mean, selfless. But there's another say, part hey. of that where it's like, hey, coach, we're going to tell the team what to do now. You just, why don't you just sit well, down on the bench for a yes. little bit? <laughs> I can't help but feel like I am over the X books not moving on to the next phase. And that's why I was so excited about Inferno. And while I, what I'm, why I'm so excited about the uh, Destiny of X. Uh, we were almost excited the about year. the Trial of Magneto, too. Trial of Magneto is also on my list of worst of because it is a garbage book. It is a garbage comic book. And again, Uh, again, what were you thinking? Putting this out in this order. Why did we need to get Inferno out so fast? If it's just ridiculous, like you're on issue two of the trial of Magneto and then Inferno comes out number one. And there's Magneto, not guilty, not in prison. He's just fine. Well, That's and then, kind of a spoiler. Yeah, and, right? and, and now, and now trial of Magneto is over and we all know that the, it was never actually about Magneto. Yeah. And it, and it was just this long drawn out overwritten uh, storyline that served one purpose exactly. And that was to add another kind of loophole for the resurrection protocols and get Scarlet Witch into the mix. And, man, and that's and it. All they did with Scarlet Witch was just deus ex machina crap so they can bring yes. back more mutants. And like, I look, I very much liked Vision and the Scarlet Witch. It was a great show. I didn't love the way it ended, but it was very WandaVision, good. WandaVision, you mean, right? Pardon me, WandaVision, yes. I don't think I've ever enjoyed the character of the Scarlet Witch in comics. I don't think I ever have because they constantly do crap like this. 
Where She's too powerful. It doesn't make sense. I don't care. And how has nobody killed her? How has no one been like, you cannot live. You're too dangerous to live, period. Well, that's just it is that like, Sometimes they do it well. Like, say what you like. I understand. Like, House of X. I recently reread House of X by Bendis and Olivier Coipel. It's excellent. It's very good. Yeah, it, it holds up. And that's a Scarlet Witch story where Scarlet Witch is not actually the main character. Right. She is the jumping-off point. You know, like she's the cause, but she's not the protagonist. That I think is what made that book work. Trial of Magneto. It didn't work. None of it worked. And now and. And there's also this like, but I'm not a mutant. Like there's they're still clinging on to that shit we learned from Axis, where it's like not only are they not mutants, but they're not actually the son and daughter of Magneto. Right. Womp womp. You know what's most interesting about Quick about Quicksilver and her background? They might be Magneto's kids and mutants. Not making them mutants or Magneto's kids, I do not care. I yeah, don't you, yes, care. Yeah. He's like, you, oh, you they had different parents? Yeah. Great. <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah, no, nah, you, you removed every reason to give a shit about those characters. And I, and I guarantee you they did it because they wanted to be able to say, hey, look, movie fans coming from Age of Ultron, no need to be confused. There's nothing to see here about mutants. They're yeah. just people with superpowers. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. My final and, of course, number one with a bullet thing that I couldn't stand this year was you fans, the trolls. A big F you goes to all the Snyder bros, the anti-gay Tim Drake, John Kent haters, and the remaining members of the Comicsgate hate cult crawling around in the sewers, swearing that they're winning the fight against inclusion. I got bad news for you, boys. It was an excellent year for comic sales, and you know what they did? Everything you hate. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but good luck funding all those Indiegogo projects that aren't coming out. You know, keep throwing money at right. them, kids. Uh, and yeah, on, a, on a lighter note, uh, you know, and this is more self-reflective, uh, you know, if you can't poke fun at yourself, then what are you doing here? Sure. It was a, a challenging year for the Cosmic Longbox. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love picking stuff I know uh, we're going to hate so much. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it, it's one thing to read bad comics. It's one thing to just, like, have it take over the in, the entire exercise for that entire week. Yeah. And I'm talking about, like, Marvel UK was hard. Yeah. Heroes Reborn was very bad. Um, <laughs> uh, bad Beginnings, where we did, um, like, uh, One More Day and The Other and, and things that we thought might be good. And, the, oh, no, they're not. Man, uh, the Draco. It, it's so um, fun to submerge yourself in that, though, and get the background story. Like, why did this happen? Like, yes. what was going on? Uh, but uh, nothing, nothing beat the uh, celebrity written comic book. Oh, yeah. That that remains like the low point of my enjoyment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, it, it was in being part of this this show. The most 90s thing we've ever done. Easily. The celebrity yeah, guest yeah. writer comics. Oh, my God. Uh, it was chromium plated and everything. Excelsior. Oh, that is it for THN 648. Next week, we are back to reviewing the first new comics of 2022. And Nerd TV returns for our Patreon Extra, where we discuss the Hawkeye finale and what we hope the MCU has in store going forward. A lot of stuff 
happened there and we need to talk about it. So yes, very true. If you want to wrap about this week's episode or any of the books that we awarded or any of the weekly news that we're following, hit us up on our live call-in show, THN cover to cover every Saturday at 11 central time hosted on our Facebook page. It's not going to happen this week because it's New Year's Day. You got stuff you got to do. I get it. There's hockey to watch. There's some really bad football games that'll probably get canceled because of the pandemic, but you know, spend I'm going to wake up at the normal time and do the same shit I always do. Spend the first day of the year doing something you love, you jerks. And we'll be back the week after. But, Joe Patrick, we need to set up a new question of the week for these kids. Uh, There's a question of the week already current, and we have received an answer from Lord Stephen Fino. Thank you, Stephen. As is our custom, every time we do the Golden Pepo Awards, we open up the floor to you, the listeners, for the annual THN Listener's Choice Awards. This year, we're doing something a little bit different. We are saying... Tell us about the best nerdy media you experienced in 2021, uh, whether it's comics, video games, books, for sure, movies. We're gonna we're gonna say like, look, we aired our grievances. We don't need you guys to air your grievances in this one. This one's gonna be all about what you loved. Don't worry about telling us what you hated. We get it. Sure. We have, we have every normal issue of cover to, episode of Cover to Cover to deal with that. And bonus, we want to hear about your nerdier resolutions. We do it every year. What are you going to do differently this year? Are you going to start collecting something? Are you going to stop collecting something? What's your nerdier resolution? Let's get yeah, into you it. Yeah, are you trying to, you always meant to catch up on a book you never sure. read? Whatever. You can call us with those answers and more at 402-819-4894 or join the Zoom during our Cover to Cover episodes by clicking on the link in the Facebook Live video chat. And if you can't be there live, shoot an mp3 to 2-headed-nerd at gmail.com or leave a message at the hotline voicemail and you could be internet famous. Uh, we do ask whatever you talk about, whether it's one thing or ten, keep it to under two minutes. If you're new to this show and you are wrapping a dead rat in a Justice League flag, just send it to me right now because you're so incensed about what I said about that piece of shit. Justice is gray movie. I assure you, <laughs> it is only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our newest patron, David Desmond. Every time we get another double D, I think of some of them, my buddy Denver Daly and David Marco have to fight to the death. So we have yet another double D nemesis here. If you like that THN is an inclusive show where everybody is welcome except for jerks, then it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two headed nerd. If you hate it, I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear from you. But there, you will hear all kinds of exclusive content, or you can just make a one time donation via PayPal because your heart swelled with kindness over this Christmas season. It grew 10 seasons. Perhaps it's your Kwanzaa season. Or perhaps Hanukkah. Perhaps you just had a really great Honda days. That could be. You know? Maybe it's a Lexus or a season to Toyota-thon. remember in your a house. Toyota-thon. Regardless, know, it is the best way to let us know that you do enjoy the show and you support what we do. We do a lot of work on it. We What's love... What's the name of the Lexus one? What's the Lexus one? Lexus season to remember. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah. All right. laughs> we work very hard on the show and we cannot believe that people help us fund it. Thank you so much. Here is to another year of THN 2022. Normally, we would do a weekly shout out, but since this is an award show and we didn't want to end on a sour note, we're going to give out one more Beppo. And this is the inaugural THN Lifetime Achievement in Comics Beppo. And we're giving it to George Perez. 
In his nearly five-decade-long career, Mr. Perez has made immeasurable contributions to the world of superhero comics, including character-defining runs on titles like the new Teen Titans, Fantastic Four, Justice League of America, and the Avengers twice. In addition, he set the tone for decades worth of DC Comics as the artist of the seminal Crisis on Infinite Earths and its follow-up, the history of the DC Universe. Perez would continue to ensure his status as a true titan of the industry with work on huge crossover events such as the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinite Crisis, and JLA Avengers. Matt and I can't think of anyone. The first annual THN Lifetime Achievement in Comics Beppo, the legendary George Perez. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailers might just ramble on and on and on at the longest award show you have ever listened to. This is a two-headed nerd signing off for 2021. Hey, they got off light. The Oscars are like four and a half hours long. It's true. <laughs>